Welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off. I'm Katie. I'm Beth. And we are Pre-PA Clinic, and we are so excited to bring you this episode today. Today's guest is Michaela Riddlesworth. Michaela is a personal friend. She's an amazing physician assistant, and she has such an interesting background. So let's welcome her to the show. Hey, Michaela. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Lisa, we are so excited to talk so, to you today. So can you give our listeners a little bit about your background, kind of what you did before PA school and what the application process was like, what school you went to, et cetera? Oh, gosh. I was just telling somebody about this the other day. My background was pre-med. In high school, we had a sort of pre-med program. Did that and then went to college at the University of Central Florida and did pre-med there and was pretty much all set to go to med school. I went to USF for a graduate bridge program to go to med school. I had never even heard of a physician assistant at this point. I had a friend who I reached out to during break and assuming he was in med school because that's where we were all supposed to go. And I checked with him and said, hey, what are you up to these days? And he's like, oh, I'm in this thing called PA school. You should really look into it. It's perfect. It's like exactly what you always wanted. Because I used to always tell people, like, gosh, I really want to be a doctor, but I don't want to go to med school. So I struggled a long (laughs) time with going to med school. I left college. I moved out to Colorado, became a ski instructor, like tried to find any way that I could get around this med school thing. I came back because I couldn't come up with a way to do it and was about to go that route when I found out about PA school. And I went home that day and I Googled it and I was like, oh my gosh, like God, did you make this for me? Like this, like this is exactly what I wanted. Um, that was it. I applied and immediately, I didn't know that there was like an application process, Mm -hmm. an interview. I didn't know it was like med school. And so I thought I was just going to just go, you know, like, okay, I want to go, let's go. Realized that there is an application cycle and deadlines. And by the time I came about knowing about all of this, I had missed deadlines. I wanted to go to Emory. And so I contacted them and they, you know, said, unfortunately, our application cycle is closed, but we want you to apply for next year. And I was like, I don't want to go next year. I want to go right now. (laughs) And I sort of had to just kind of like, okay, fine, I guess I'll just go next year. But at this point, like I had already taken a year, you know, go to Colorado and not know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And at this point, I was ready to just go. Sure. I don't remember what happened, but I was, again, you know, Googling PA programs. Now, you're talking, this was 2004, so there was only very few select programs even around at that time. And I was Googling it, and I came across Methodist University in North Carolina, and they had what was called a revolving admissions process, meaning that they basically don't have an application cycle deadline. They take students up until the start of the class. I was like, well, maybe I'll just go to North Carolina. Like, I can do anything for a year as long as they let me go back to Georgia to do my rotations. This could work. I emailed them, I think, and was like, hey, I'm interested in coming to the school there. I, what do I need to do? And I think I had to submit a CASPA, if I recall correctly. They were like, when can you be here for an interview? And I, I, I think I left the next day and went for an interview. 
And my interview consisted of a boardroom with a conference table and faculty members sitting on one side and me sitting on the other. <laughs> yeah. And it was so strange. So they asked me a couple questions, like, why do you want to be a TA? And, and then they asked me if I had a couple of questions, and that was it. And I went home. And by the time I got home, they had emailed me saying that I had been accepted. Oh, nice. You didn't have to wait at all. That's fantastic. It was such a strange experience that I almost didn't go to the school. Like, I literally, once I started talking to people and hearing about this process, I was like, wait a minute. Like, why are they wanting, like, do they not have enough people? Are they a terrible program? Like, what is going on? Like, I was so confused at that point because I had heard about this whole, you know, interview process and all of the stuff that people had to go through at this point. And I remember telling my mom, like, I, I don't know if I should go to this school. Like, what if they're terrible? I knew a guy at USF who, again, you're talking long before I was ever PA faculty, long before I was ever a PA student. I was so unaware of terminology at that point. It was ridiculous. But I'm assuming now, looking back, that he worked for RTA or somebody at some point in time because he had done Methodist University site visits. He knew about their program, and he was able to fill me in on their program. They had just had a site visit, and so he was able to reassure me that it was a good school, and so it went. In retrospect, what was the strongest part of your application, and what was the weakest part of your application? So I had been pre-med at UCF, and UCF had a very, very competitive pre-med program at the time for many reasons. A, they were trying to become the largest school in Florida, which they have now achieved, but they were also trying to get a med school. And so they were battling with USF, and they were wanting to have a med school, and so we, our program was very rigorous. I remember applying to pay school, like, if you got a C in our organic chemistry class at UCF, like, it was like getting an A at organic chemistry at UF. I mean, that's how they looked at it, basically. So I came from a really strong pre-med program, but I had a lot of healthcare experience. This was long before they required healthcare experience. So I think I stood out because when I went to pay school, it was a lot of non-traditional students, second career students, you're talking back when PA school wasn't known as being a first-track option. So I went to school with a bunch of engineers, post-military people, non-traditional students, uh, very much so. And so having healthcare experience probably stood out. I had been a CNA all through high school. I had been a medical assistant. I had a lot of healthcare hours under my belt. I guess that kind of probably made me stand out. I mean, I sure. didn't have a 4.0 GPA by any means, um, but I had a strong GPA. I don't really remember what it was at this point, but you know, I had taken upper level classes. I had taken biochem and genetic chem one and two, and you know, done well in those. So that may have stood out. And you were a CNA, which is literally like the hardest patient care position yeah. in the world. It was, but it was also my favorite. Like I always tell people, if I could support myself on the salary that a CNA gets, I would do that job in a heartbeat. It was such a rewarding job for me. I just sure, loved it. sure. I worked in a nursing home and it was just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did that for a long time. Sounds like you had some great academics, and then you also had some great patient care experience. That's fantastic. And I remember, too, like when we were applying through CASPA all these years ago, things have changed now. Now they have like 
patient care experience and healthcare experience. And so they even separate that out. And so it, it is interesting how the process has changed as more schools have come on board and the PA profession has become yes. way more popular. Now, yes. I know yes. as a, a after PA school as a PA, you have done a lot of different things. And one of the things I really want to touch on today is the fact that I know you have some family practice experience, but during your family practice experience, you really became known for your dermatology skills and actually ended up sort of teaching yes. dermatology to family practice offices. So can you please just explain yeah. a little bit about how that came about and what you did? And I just love the fact that you were able to kind of create this own niche for yourself within the PA profession. When I got out of school, I did family practice and I always got all these strange skin patients. And I, I don't know why, but my supervisor physician, he was like, we've never had these kinds of skin conditions come into this office before. Like, do you have a black cloud over your head? Like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. But I realized that none of the physicians in my practice even knew what to do with these patients. Like, refer, refer, refer. It was like terrified of skin. I just kind of got interested in it. And then there was a dermatology practice, you know, in the next town over. And I applied. And by applied, I, I think I went into his office and just dropped off a resume. He had never had a PA before. He was a solo practitioner. He pretty much, you know, wasn't necessarily sold on the idea, but I convinced him. I'm like, look, I, I can work part-time. Like, I don't even need a full-time job. Like, I just want to get some experience and learn from you. And he bought it, I guess. And I went and worked with him. He was intense. He was hardcore. My first week there, he had me doing skin crafts. Like, if I, he was testing me to see if I showed any intimidation whatsoever to the procedures that he had to do in that office. And if I, you know, couldn't hold up to that, I obviously wasn't cut out for the job. And so I had to just do it. You know, you watch one, see one, do one. Like, I just did it. And I was there for a year. And then I went into the National Health Service Board to pay back my student loans. And when I did that, I had to move to a rural community. They didn't have any dermatology services. So I essentially started a dermatology clinic within the family practice clinic that I worked. And I saw mainly dermatology patients did all of their skin care, all of their you know, skin cancer screenings. Um, within my first six months there, we had seven uh, melanoma cases. It was crazy. These people had never had dermatology services. I was getting patients from up to an hour and a half away that were coming there for, you know, sliding fee-based prices for dermatology services, which you just don't get anywhere. That's awesome. So, and you got to do that while paying off your student loans through NHS, which to our listeners, that's National Health Service. We want to take a brief moment to tell you about something that we know will skyrocket your shot of getting accepted to PA school. Do you have an interview for PA school coming up? First off, congratulations. Second, make sure you rock out your interview and land that seat. If you want to make sure you stand out in your interview, we created an interview course for you that will take you from average to an outstanding interviewee that programs can't wait to accept. This course has all the expert tips and advice from our years interviewing applicants and deciding who to accept and who not to accept. It has what to do, what not to do, what programs are actually asking between the lines, and so much more. Check it out in the show notes or at go.prepaclinic.com slash interview course. Again, in the show notes or at go.prepaclinic.com slash interview course. Back to Michaela. 
Um, can you talk a little bit yeah. about that process for our listeners who are interested in something like that? Sure. That process, again, was way back in the day, so it's changed a lot since I went in. But I can tell you that, you know, the crux of it is that you essentially, as a there's, there's two options. You can be a scholarship recipient or a loan repayment recipient. So a scholarship recipient is you get it prior to going to school and then you commit to going somewhere after graduation. The loan recipient is that you didn't apply for the scholarship program and so after you graduated, you apply and basically you have to be working at a, called a HIPSA site, Health Professional Shortage Area, designated site. And then you apply, it's a whole application process, to write a letter, all of this stuff. And when I applied, you were basically automatically accepted because there wasn't a lot of people applying to the program. <laughs> um, but now it's pretty competitive. And if you're accepted into the program, you sign a two-year contract and you get a, a certain amount of funds per year for that two years to go towards your student loan. And um, if that's ever an opportunity for somebody to explore, I would highly, highly encourage and recommend you to do it um, for multiple reasons. It was very rewarding. It was very autonomous work. And I also was debt-free by the time I was 30. So that was wonderful. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's excellent. So fast forward a few years, and then you eventually get into PA education. And so your big thing was you were a clinical coordinator at a PA school for years. So can you talk a little bit about um, your job as a clinical coordinator, how you help the students, maybe some tips for students during their clinical year? Sure, yeah. So I did not ever plan on entering PA education. I called the local college and asked them to come and give a talk about the National Health Service Corps to educate their students on how to get their loans repaid because no one ever told me how to do that as a student. And so I just called them and said, hey, can I come and talk to your students? And now when I went to PA school, there was 30 students in our class when we started. I think we ended with like 28. So I thought I was going to be talking to a room of like 28 people. And I showed up to an auditorium full of about 300 people wow. um, and I was not expecting that at all and I had to stand on the stage and I had to have a microphone and I was just like okay you just have to do this right now like there's you can't leave like they're waiting for you and so I did it and then afterwards they were like have you ever had an interest in PA education and I was like isn't that for old people and they said well well, we like to have a mixture of ages in our faculty. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, clinical coordinator, I had to find all of my rotations if I wanted to go back to Georgia when I was in school in North Carolina. So I've kind of done this job already. Now I get to go help people, other people find rotations. And so that's how I got into that job. And it, again, was rewarding and very challenging. The thing about clinical years, you have to be very flexible, you, as, a, as both a clinical coordinator and a student, because, you know, sites are very limited. And, you know, people want to go certain places or, or see where their family is, and that's all completely understandable. And while we try to accommodate those needs, our main goal is to get you the best education that we can while we have you, challenging at times trying to fill the 
both the, the requirements of the program and then the desires of the students. But I'd say the, the biggest thing as a student is to be flexible in your scheduling, be flexible in where you can go because you might end up at a site that you really learn something that you might not have experienced had you have gone to another site. If you hear anything about my story so far from start to finish, it being a self-starter and go-getter and making opportunities happen for yourself. And you have to sort of start establishing that as a clinical student. Don't be a wallflower. Make opportunities. Ask to help. Put yourself out there. That all starts to prepare you for having a very successful career as a PA. Yes, I love that self-starter. That is so true. You have to get out there and do things just like you've shown. And I was totally going to comment on that, how uh, it seems like a trend in your life that you just call somebody (laughs) up and it's like, hey, kind of want to do this. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We are pre-PA clinic and are here to help you get into PA school and then get through PA school. If these episodes are helpful for you, we would be so thankful if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also, check out the show notes for all the things that we offer that will help you get into PA school and then survive PA school. We have everything from courses to memberships to private coaching and CASPA application review. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.